Manhead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 29th of October 2023. Hello and welcome. Thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week, Tommy continued our series looking at 1 Thessalonians, and he was looking at the coming of his comfort. The reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. So we'll go and join Tommy as he's introducing the service. Good morning, everyone. Morning, Ted. It's good to see you all. Welcome to Minehead Baptist Church. My name's Tommy. I'm one of the ministers here who serves at the church, and I will be leading us through the service at various points. It's, um, it's wonderful to be here this morning, and I'm very excited to see how, how we all encounter God, because that's what we're all here for. So, the wonderful notices. So... Apologies if I butcher the name. Um, Withypool Artisan Craft Fair in aid of the Hope Centre. <laughs> That's happening Saturday and Sunday, the 18th and 19th of November, 2023, um, at 11. <laughs> sorry, 11 till 4:30 p. 11 a.m. till 4:30 p.m. And so it's a craft fair, and it's going to be raising money for the Hope Centre this um, Thursday. The Oasis, um, there's an Oasis meal and communion, um, so something to get involved with during the week. And there is another, I didn't note it down, but there's another craft thing which I think is happening in, at the Hub on Tuesday. A week on Tuesday, there's a craft happening, and what time is it from? Seven till nine. Okay, wonderful. So that's a craft to get involved with as well. I think that's all notices. Unless anyone raises their hands and say, no, there's this one fundamental thing. Oh, yes, Alec, <laughs> please come up. Uh, yes, I did. I did say. <laughs> just something that I feel God said to me this week, and I thought, well, is it just for me or should I share it? The scripture says that your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Well, I'm looking at some of the youth, not many young men here, but. <laughs> but. Those of you that are young, you should be praying God for visions. But I had a dream this week. I have a lot of dreams. 90% of the time I don't remember them. When I do, it's a whole load of rubbish. But I had a dream this week and I thought this is, this is, this is a dream that matters. And I've been thinking about it since and it's come to me a bit more. In my dream I was in a church, no particular church, quite a lot of people, no particular people, I couldn't recognise anybody. But near where I was standing, right very, the very, very centre of that building there was a huge pillar. It looked to me as if it was two foot, two foot, six square wooden pillar that went right up to the roof. And as I stood there, and everybody was standing, as I was there, this pillar began to move. And as the pillar began to move, everyone had to get out. And after we got out, we could see the whole building was collapsing. 
and people were sort of talking, well, I wonder if the hall will be all right. We could be, perhaps a few people will be able to meet in the hall in future, but, you know, the church has collapsed. And so my immediate thought was, it was a wooden pillar, stands for the cross. The cross must stay central to the life of the church. And it makes good sense to me. The cross must stay central. But that didn't seem to be right. I just didn't feel that was right. Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't know if this ever happens to some of the other older people. A song from years ago was going through my mind. And I woke up first thing this morning, and it was a bit earlier because we've changed the clocks. I woke up early this morning, and the same song was going through my mind. And it took me straight connected with the dream. I don't know if any of you knew this song. Kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall, nations refuse to hear God's call, but the word of the Lord endures forevermore. Flowers today, blooming today, will on the morrow fade away, but the word of the Lord endures forevermore. And it comes straight from Scripture. It comes from Isaiah, which is repeated in Peter. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And I just think for the church, and maybe for some of you individually, you need to realise this. This has to be central in church life. I'm not saying it isn't. And this needs to be central in your life and my life. If we are going to stand, we've got to stand by the word. And the word stands secure. It's not going to be altered. It's not going to be changed. It's not going to be adapted. The word of the Lord stands forever. And I believe God was just saying, for the church, and maybe for some particular individuals here this morning, get back to the word, the word, the word. And I just want to say to any of you, if you're not reading the word very often, come on, it needs to be central in your life. Thank you, Alec. It reminds me of um, Psalm 119 where it says, Your word to me, O Lord, is like thousands of pieces of gold and silver. And if we would work very hard for a thousand pieces of gold and silver, how much more should we be prioritizing that which is worth more than a thousand pieces of gold and silver. Roy's going to lead us in some worship. Thank you, Tommy. Just one more notice, which has just come up. It's got two birthdays. It's Jack Jack and Jamie. Is it today?
young, young people are going to leave us now. What age? Up to 11. Up to 11. Yes, 12 to 18 is staying here. 12, oh, 12 to 18 is staying here. Oh, good. Well, you're in for a treat then. So if, you're, if you're 11, 11 and under, head for the hills, at uh, the hall, I should say. Uh, and we pray for the youngsters as they leave. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. I'm always knocked. Out. I'm always knocked out. We're in a privileged position here because we see how many children are going out. It's, I'm always thankful to the Lord. I praise God that we've got so many children in our church when so many churches don't have any. We are blessed. We are blessed. Thank you. You're working well this morning. You've been standing for a long time, and I'm going to ask you to stand again. <laughs> up you get. Up you get. <laughs> We're going, to say, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. We just sang that, uh, the, about the goodness of God. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. just sang hear our prayer we are your children we've gathered here today and we've gathered here to pray and Tommy's going to lead us in our prayers of intercession originally I was not meant to be leading prayers this morning but Paul and Lorraine are ill so I think it's important we lift them up to the Lord in prayer Father, we thank you for Paul and the rain and the ways in which they serve and bless us. We pray for their absolute healing and recovery in the name of Jesus. Would you bless them? Would you bless them and give them rest before they have their week of holiday? We hate what the enemy does. 
We hate that there is suffering and pain and, and we just and we hate exhaustion and we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would relieve them and that this 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 week will be a week of rest for Paul and Lorraine. That they would be encouraged and that they would know that the Lord who made heaven and earth is on their side. Heal them we pray. And Lord I also want to lift up prayers for the gentleman who fell over outside the church this morning, just before the service was about to start. Um, we pray for his healing. Um, we pray that you give wisdom to, the, to those in the hospital who are treating him. And Lord, we pray that you would, you would intervene in the ways only you know how to. We pray that this man... Whatever he's going through, that you would comfort him and that you would open the door for him to, to experience the love of Jesus. And I, I think of Wider Minehead, population of 11,000, lots of amazing people, lots of wonderful people with different stories that you know about, Lord. You know every single person and their struggles, their concerns, their trials, their difficulties. We pray that your Holy Spirit would pour over mine head. We pray for transformation of this community. We thank you for things like the Hope Center. We thank you that there are people who love you in mine head that want to bring transformation, want to bring the gospel, want to be obedient to the word of God. And we just pray that vast multitudes of people in this town will come to know Jesus. That they would know that Jesus is the one true hope in a world that seems hopeless. And Lord, I, I, I feel prompted to say a dangerous prayer. But Lord, send them our way. There are technicalities and practicalities that us as the leaders have to deal with. But Lord, send them our way. Send them to your church in Minehead. Not just Minehead Baptist Church, but your church. And would your kingdom come and your will be done in Minehead as it is in heaven. I pray for the United Kingdom, for a world where there, for a country where there are millions and millions who don't know Jesus. And I pray, Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, people would come to know you. That you would stir up in our hearts a desire to let those around us know the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, the person, Jesus Christ. Our friend, our brother, our Lord, and our God. Would people return to you in the United Kingdom? Would those who have no hope, those who are struggling, those who see the news and they see everything that's going on, would you stir up something in them? Would people walk into churches having never thought of doing so in the past? Would people, would people experience you in dreams and visions?
would people come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord in the United Kingdom? And would you help us, your church, to be participants in that, in helping people to know Jesus? Lord, I pray for the world. We pray for the world. I, I feel tired, Lord. We feel tired of seeing everything that happens. It feels overwhelming at times. It feels frustrating. This isn't the way it ought to be. From the start, it was the plan that you would be with your people and they would be with you. Life in all its fullness. And Lord, my prayer today, our prayer today, is that those in the church, around the world, in those places that we see in the news, would you use them to bring your gospel and to bring transformation? I think what's prompted to heart right now is the the 1,000 Christians living in the Gaza Strip. whose church building was damaged by rocket fire. Lord, we, we ask that you would work through them and through others to bring transformation in that region. There are so many pernicketies and tensions and different things, Lord, going on, but we pray that by the power of your spirit, you'd bring transformation to that region and that that transformation would come through your Holy Spirit and that it would come through your, your servants. That everyone in that region would, would, would come to terms with that reality. That as, as Christians, we do not overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Lord, in a world where there is much suffering and there is lack and prices seem to be rising would your church we ask that your church would be the ones to step in as they've always done over the past 2,000 years would they be parents to the orphans would they be those that welcome others into their homes would they feed the hungry would your church be the ch- Would your church be the overlap between heaven and earth in this world? And would we experience the transformation of this world through your your servants and by the power of your Holy Spirit? So that, that, that image, that vision in Revelation, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth, and the sea is no more, and tears and pain are but just a memory. Would you stir the entire church around the world by the power of your Holy Spirit, to act in such a way that that moment comes one moment closer every day. And to bring it back to to mine head and to our church, Lord, for all of us here, for us who are struggling, who are wrestling with different things, if things seem difficult, would you bring us comfort? And Lord, that when we look back on those seasons of difficulty, will we look back on them knowing that you were present? 
And would we look back on those times and think, how amazing that God brought me back to this place of joy. I pray your Holy Spirit would comfort everyone here right now. We pray for your comfort. And we pray for your blessing upon the children, among our youth. May everyone in Minehead Baptist Church and in your church in Minehead love you more and love Jesus and, and just have, have you at the forefront of their mind. We ask all these things and we lift up all these different people and places and nations. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's uh, now time for the reading. And so I believe Joe's coming up. reading this morning is from 1 Thessalonians and it's so exciting the coming of the Lord (laughs) isn't that great (laughs) and it starts I'm going to start at verse 13 brothers we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, We who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Thank you. Thanks. Before... Before Tommy speaks, I just want to pray for you, Tommy. Thank you. And for, thank you, Joe, for that, for that reading. We just pray for Tommy. We thank you for him, for his, for his heart of love. Lord, we thank you that he knows his Bible. Lord, we pray that you will open the scriptures to him and to us this morning as he brings us his thoughts and what you've given him, Lord, for, to bring to us on this particular passage. Lord, bless him and equip him and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Yes, Liam. So, um, 
For those who are 12 to 18 in the youth, Liam, this isn't homework, I promise. Liam is giving out some questions and some pens. So as we go through the... <laughs> sorry. We're, as we're going through the message, you can write down any thoughts or ponderings. And the hope is that next Sunday evening we'll be doing another Bible study together and you can bring your questions and bring your ponderings to that Bible discussion. <laughs> but there's only 10 pages, so it is for the youth. <laughs> oh, boy. I think that's everyone. Is there anyone 1218 who wants to that hasn't? <laughs> sure, why not? Good, good. <laughs> uh. Okay, so some first responders have arrived for the man outside. <sighs> I've been really looking forward to talking about this passage. It must be said. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, um, this passage that was just read is typically what is referred to when we talk about something called the rapture. Rapture, rapture, rapture. It's a word that um, we get from verse 17 where it says we will be caught up. And in the Latin, basically, that's the word rapture. We'll be raptured. Um, so that's where the word comes from. But for you guys, I want to ask, what comes to mind when you think of the word rapture? <laughs> Some vague idea that Jesus will arrive and we will disappear. Yes, like the Left Behind series. Oh, that wonderful series. <laughs> There's this idea that Jesus will arrive, and then somehow we will go to him, and we will be with him in heaven. Maybe you've spent, you know, years reading on the subject, and it's one of your little pet projects. And maybe you haven't put any thought to it whatsoever. And that's okay. Um, Because it's only something I've been pondering over the past couple years, at least. You know, and it's like, like Roy said, Roy alluded to, it's, we see it in our TV shows and our movies. In some movies, you'll see people say there's a shining light, and then suddenly people rise up, and then there's people left behind on earth. And it feels weird. It feels strange. You know, I'm not sure what's going on. In my family, it was always an interesting discussion. Um, it was something my dad was in particular very interested in talking about, you know, and then my brothers, one of my brothers, I won't mention who, but he, uh, he would say, before his GCSE exams, he would be like, come on, Rapture, take me before I have to do my exams. <laughs> I wasn't sure about his theology, but it was still very funny. <laughs> and so, yeah, some people will be left behind. Some people will go. These are all these kind of ideas. I'm just, I'm just trying to get... The, this idea that this is kind of this vague sense we have of what the rapture is in our culture today and in our church. 
And if you feel weirded out or uneasy or confused or perfectly happy, it's fine. I'm just saying that's fine. We're going to explore the text together. That being said, one thing I will say before we dive into this text, and I'm being 100% serious when I say this, the idea that we will disappear and go up to heaven... I personally believe that is the direct opposite of what the text is actually saying. But we'll have to get to verses 16 to 17 before we chat about that. In the meantime, let's go to verse, let's dive into the text and we'll get to that point. Don't you worry. And I have figured it out. Wait, no, no, no. I do. I have a good idea of what I think it's saying. So verse 13, uh, if we could bring that up. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. So as we've been reading, uh, as we've been hearing in the previous sermons, there's this church in Thessalonica and they are, they have various struggles and they have, they're in a very interesting culture with lots of different challenges and God's calling them to be faithful. God is calling them to be faithful to the word. God has called them to be faithful to Jesus and to encourage and support one another. And it says, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That is to say, those who have passed away, those who've died, or to grieve like the rest of humanity who have no hope. You see, in the culture, and it's something that's quite common in the ancient Greek culture, they were very pessimistic about death. And it's quite a a pessimistic reality. And so... This text isn't saying we can't grieve. Grieving is good when it's a recognition that this isn't the way things ought to be. But the issue with the the, the culture at the time is they grieved with no hope. They grieved at loss with no sense of hope of what might yet be, what might become. I have a friend in... Northern Ireland, I was a care worker in Northern Ireland for a year, and we were driving in a car to a job, and it was a lockdown, and there was wars happening around the world, sound familiar, and so it's like, she said to me, she was like, she wasn't a Christian, she was like, this just seems so hopeless, Tommy, what's, what's your hope for the world? Ah, <laughs> you just set me up, haven't you? <laughs> And I was able to tell her of the, of, you know, me as a Christian, I am a participant in a family, in a community, in a kingdom that is seeking to bring everyone to know the one true hope that is Jesus and bring them to a place where they will never, ever experience suffering or pain when Christ returns. And, and, and she said to me, she's like, that's an idea of Christianity I think I can get behind. And, and it was really cool. And I, I, I like to keep in touch them still and so but the reality is in our world there is hope for so many people and we can be tempted to feel hopeless by what we watch in the news but in verses 14 to 15 we as Christians have otherwise we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that we will And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then going on to verse 15. 
According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, elsewhere in scripture, there's, there's, it also talks about this, this idea of those who will rise who have fallen asleep, the idea of the resurrection. So in 1 Corinthians 15... Verses 50 to 22, it says this. It's almost like a race to see who gets their first meal, Brian. So, uh, <laughs> 15 verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 22, where it says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all sleep, which is to say we won't die. We won't all die. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. There's coming a time where, for those who trust in the Lord, when Christ returns, there'll be a resurrection of those who have died. And their bodies will be new, glorified, resurrected bodies, just like that of Jesus. And those of us who are still on earth, whenever it is that Christ returns, our bodies will instantaneously change as well. So that we will have glorified bodies like Jesus. And so there's this hope that when Christ returns, in his glorified state, we also will be transformed in a glorified state. So we have a hope, and our hope is Jesus. And that is the hope that Paul is telling these people to, to cling on to, the person Jesus. Because for them, it says, Paul says, we do not want you to be ignorant of these things. These people didn't know. They weren't aware of this reality that Christ will return, and with his return will happen the resurrection of all bodies and the glorification of all bodies. I preached on Romans 8 a couple weeks ago now, a few weeks ago, and in that I was talking about that that famous verse, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This glory of the transformation of this world and the transformation of us. And so for us as Christians, we have a hope that is beyond the material. We have a hope that is beyond whether the economy goes well or whether there is peace and whether there's no war and whether things are going well this week. Our hope is in something beyond that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we come on to verses 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Lots of interesting imagery. There is trumpets, there is the day of the Lord, the, the allusion to the day of the Lord, the time when Jesus will return. And there's lots going on here. 
And for me, as a, I, I'd read this and I'd be like, okay. The, the, the left behind image that we have of us all you know, going up to heaven, and, and that is the kind of thing that our culture has told us, I think. But I, as I said earlier, the idea that we just zip up to heaven, I think that is the opposite of what the, the text is actually saying. And bear with me, all right? I know it sounds cryptic, like, for goodness sake, just read the text. Clearly, it says we go up. I get it. It's weird. Just trust me for a moment, all right? <laughs> so, it, I, I was, as I was wrestling with this, I was engaging with this, I came to this conclusion based off of the word that is used for meeting in verse, I think, 17. So, we who are still alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, in the Greek, the word meet that's used here is actually, this is a technical term for a type of, a specific type of meeting. Last week we were talking about different types of love. There are different types of love. In the Greek, there are different types of meeting. And the word that's used here is a different type of meeting to, say, me meeting up with Paul or Sally or whoever for coffee. You know, meet, and then we go off our separate ways. This meet, it's a, a word that usually, in the context of the time, it, would, it was referring to this idea that when some significant person is arriving, there's some significant person, whether it was a, uh, a leader, Caesar, tribal leader, whoever it was, they would be arriving, let us go meet them so that we may welcome them into our home. That was what the word met, meet meant in its context. And how do I know this? Well, we can see that this is what the word m- means because it's used in the same way in other passages of the Bible. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, where we have the parable of the ten, um, the ten brides, bridesmaids. Um, let me just find it. The ten, uh, the, par- the parable of the ten virgins. Now in this parable, there's lots of stuff going on. I, can't, I don't really have the time to go in complete depth. But the idea is that the bridegroom's arriving for the marriage ceremony. And so the ten virgins or the bridesmaids, they're there with their oil. And then it says in verse, verse 6... At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, let's come to meet him. And this word meet, they met him, and then what do they do? They invite him into the house for the marriage ceremony. So it wasn't, oh, we're going to meet there, and then we're going to leave our house and go away. It was the idea, we meet them halfway, and then we welcome them into the house. Elsewhere, in Acts chapter 28... It says uh, that Paul was going to meet some friends in Rome. Acts chapter 8, verse 15. The brothers heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the free taverns to meet us. And at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. And then when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself. 
So when Paul's going to Rome, friends come to meet him halfway. And so Paul's arriving, the friends meet him halfway, and then they lead him into Rome. And so when it says in this text that we will meet him in the air, we'll meet him in the air, it's not saying, and you can disagree with me, that's fine, We're all, we all love Jesus and we can be united in differences like this, but what I believe the text is saying is, when Christ returns and everyone's resurrected and there's all the new glorified people, Christ is coming to arrive in his new heaven and a new earth. He's coming to take that which is his. Christ is coming. We will meet him in the air. And instead of us just all going up to heaven, he brings his heaven on earth. So that is on earth as it is in heaven. We go up, we meet him halfway, and we welcome him back down. And friends, I would, I would say this makes more sense in the wider biblical story as well. If you think, let's say, to, um, let's say G- Genesis chapter 1. I always go back to Genesis chapter 1. That's my habit, but I think it's a, a good habit. The Lord creates the heavens and the earth, and it's a place where heaven and earth are overlapping, you know? And the Garden of Eden, that's where the overlap is the most tangible, People sin, they choose to be away from God, and so heaven and earth are separated in some sense. And so God, in the story of the Bible, you could summarize the story of the Bible as God wanting to reunite heaven and earth and be with his people. And it's a story of us continually choosing, no, I don't want that. I'd much rather do things my own way. And so you have the story of God re-entering into the relationship with his people. And then he creates this thing called the tabernacle, which is like the Garden of Eden in that it's a place where heaven and earth overlap. And it's got imagery inside that looks like the Garden of Eden. It's got like trees and and plants and animals and the cherubim, all the stuff that was in the Garden of Eden, i.e. the place where heaven and earth overlap. And then it continues with the temple. In the temple... There is that holy of holies, that place where heaven and earth overlap, where God is with, is God is most manifest. That is, that is a, an image of, of heaven and earth overlapping. And the hope is that they would be a priesthood to the nations and that they would continue this. And they would spread it to the rest of the earth. So that he, all of heaven and earth are overlapping. And then we come to Jesus. In John 1, verse 14, you know where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word for dwelt is literally, he made his tabernacle among us. Which is to say, he is the place where heaven and earth overlap. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ Jesus, it says in Colossians chapter 1. And so, um, so yeah, so Christ comes and he is the place where heaven and earth overlap. And when he dies on the cross, and the temple is torn in two, he has now opened a way for us to access heaven right now through a relationship with Jesus. And now, the, the image of the temple, where heaven and earth overlap, guess what? You who are Christians, you are a living temple. You are temples of the living God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. 
And so what's amazing is the story of Jesus is one of him being the overlap of heaven and earth, but then he also brings heaven to earth. He brings it through healing. He brings it through repentance, through forgiveness of sins. There is this amazing overlap happening. And then the end game, the hope, is that hope in Revelation, where it says, behold, I see a new heavens and a new earth. Where it is literally an over, the perfect overlap between heaven and earth, where God is with his people. Why do I, and why am I saying this like, I'm, I'm, I'm banging on about this a bit, I know, I know. But the point I'm trying to get home is, heaven's coming down to earth. We're not abandoning earth to go to heaven. And that's something maybe, and this is something I have to be careful of too. Sometimes our culture, we have this idea that we get little wings and we've got our halo and we go up to the clouds and that's it. We meet the Lord in the clouds, the glory cloud, the presence of God. But just like people in a town would meet the new leader as they're arriving and then welcome them into the town. We go up to meet Christ and we welcome him back down here. A new heavens and a new earth. And so, I think this is a... This, ultimately, though, this is meant to be an encouragement. As it says in verse 18. Christ is coming here and will make his kingdom come and his will be done here as it is in heaven. And yes, there will be things of... The things that are not of God, and there's not enough time for me to go into this, but the things that are not of God, will pass away. But those things that are of God will remain as they pass through the fire of judgment. But what, what, what I think this is really indicating is that in some sense right now, for all of you and for me and for all of us, we, the actions we do now have eternal implications because that which is good will remain in some sense. And that which is not of God won't remain. And so it's a, it's a challenge, but we, we have a responsibility here on earth because there are things we are going to do here on earth that will remain here, I believe, after Christ returns. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had this feeling that when, oh, if I'm going to go to heaven, what the heck, what does it matter what I do on earth? What does it matter if I don't do X, Y, and Z, the recycling or whatever? You know, it's like these, these kind of things where we're like, I, I, I've, I've felt it myself, so I'm being vulnerable you guys. I, I, I have felt it where it's like, well, what's the point if we're just going to go to heaven? You know, does it matter what we do right here on earth? Absolutely it does, because that heaven is going to be here on earth. And so, in the same way that we don't say, oh, well, we're going to have a new glorified body, Therefore, I can just sin as much as I want because my glorified body, I'm not going to sin anymore. Like, Paul literally says no in Romans 7. Like, what, shall we sin that grace may abound? By no means, you know? There is a transformation happening right now in us that will continue and be fulfilled and remain after the new heavens and the new earth have overlapped. And so there's work that needs to be done right now. And I would say the same for the earth. If that applies for us, there is a sense in, 
and, and I'm apo- I apologize, what? Well, I don't apologize, but I, I acknowledge that it is be- I'm being a bit vague here because we don't have the time to go into all the pernickities on a Sunday morning. But if, if we're going to be glorified, but we still act and try and act as if we're glorified already, you know, as, as we try and act without sin, I think the same applies to the earth. If the earth will be glorified, but the reality is the earth will be glorified, but we are going to be, it's, but it's, it will be glorified, but that doesn't mean we don't care about the earth now. And, you know, I'm not getting into an environmental spiel, and I, I don't think the earth is going to burn up in five years' time or whatever. Like, whatever. But there's an acknowledgement that if we're made in the image of God, we've been given, given authority as God's image to, to transform this world and the people in this world. It means that what we do now has some sort of significance. It does. And that applies to the earth and to people. And it's an encouragement, though, because Christ is going to be arriving. Christ will come soon. But I don't believe we're just going to die and go to heaven. Yes, we, for those who die, in some sense, we're in the presence of, of the Lord. For Paul says, for I wish to depart from this body and be with Christ. But we're not just flying off with angel wings to heaven and abandoning the earth and who cares. That's not what this text is saying. I believe the text is saying very clearly in its context that we will meet the Lord and we will invite him down here. And he will be with his people and his people will be with him. That is the Christian hope, that Christ is returning. And that is the hope that we cling to. And so, for you guys, it's, it's, and for me, it's a challenge. In what ways are we acting, in, in what ways are we acting so that the things we do now have positive eternal implications whether that be for our neighbor, for those we work with? How are we acting in such ways that we are blessing God's creation so that those things that are good will remain? Every action we have, every action we do, every thought we think, it all has eternal implications. And we can't escape it. I want this place to be lovely and, and well prepared for when Christ returns, you know? It's a bit heavy, yeah? but it's, this is the text. <laughs> and so it's encouragement, guys. Christ is returning. We will meet him in the air. And we will welcome him to this new heaven and a new earth where we all have resurrected bodies, glorified bodies. And... That, but I'm aware I'm saying to Christians, for those here who might not have a faith, or maybe you're thinking about it, you're pondering about it, we're in a world where people don't know where they fit in the story. They feel lost. They feel hopeless. Christ helps us fit back into the story with a new sense of purpose. When we come to him with a repentant heart, acknowledge that we've sinned, and ask him to transform us, begin a new transformation in us, he makes us part of the story. 
so that we can be participants in that in that story of making God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if that, come, if that is something that you're thinking about, please chat to me or one of the other leaders after the service. I would love to, uh, to just hear what you have to say and maybe even pray with you. Let's pray. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we... We're struck by the the mystery and the wonder of of your scriptures and of the mystery and the wonder of of this promise that you will return. We thank you that you are faithful to your people and that you give us hope in times of difficulty. I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us all to be able to act in ways that are pleasing to you. And Lord, when you do return, we, we ask that you would help us to act, we ask that you would help us to act in such ways that when you return, you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord Jesus, we are part of your big story and we thank you that you've given us a role to play. Would you help us all to act as Jesus would in the situations around us? And that when that time comes and you arrive and we meet you, I ask that we, we would welcome you to a place that is wonderful. And welcome you to people who are wonderful in your kingdom. We ask all this in your mighty precious name. Amen. Tommy. We're going to stand and sing. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen. 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 We're going to close with one more song. Um, I was looking at this song when it was written. It was 1992. Mathematicians among you? How many are there? 30, 31 years ago. It was the words of the um, first verse. Nations are slipping in hopeless despair. And that's what's happening now. I believe this is a prophetic, a prophetic song. Let's sing Great is the Darkness.
Please go to mynhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.